Nobody talks to me that way. Nobody! Hi, this is Don Biggs from the 9293 Binghamton Rangers. Hi, this is Brandon Bochinski. This is Grady Wittenberg, the voice of the Binghamton Senators, and you're listening to the Power Play Post Show. And welcome back, everybody, to the Power Play Post Show. We've got a very special guest here on the show with us. He comes to us from the Providence Bruins. He's their assistant coach. Um, his name is Bruce Cassidy. Bruce, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Bob. Uh, Bruce, you have an extensive resume. When I, when I was looking this over, um, you, you've, you've coached a lot in different levels, um, from the NHL to the AHL. You even coached in the old IHL um, before it you know, blended into the American Hockey League. Um, you, you've coached in juniors. Um, you, you, bring a, you bring an extensive amount of uh, experience uh, to the Providence Bruins. Uh, but my first question for you is, is uh, what prompted you to go with the Bruins organization? I mean, obviously this organization definitely has uh, changed its ways in the last few years. Scott Gordon did a great job with Providence, and uh, you know the Boston Bruins are doing very well now. What, what was your decision to, to come to uh, Providence? Well, I had worked previously with Peter Strelli at Boston GM. Uh, when I was with Grand Rapids, uh, he was the assistant GM in Ottawa, and that was our affiliate. There was a relationship there, and when, uh, you know, the opening became available, uh, you know, I stayed in touch with Peter over the years. One thing led to another, and, and here I am, and I'm, I'm glad I did it. We've had a, you know, a nice season. We're still playing hockey in May, and uh, I'm enjoying it. Absolutely. Now, you know, one of the nice things I think when I look over your your resume and what you've done, you've even played um, over in Europe and everything. And uh, um, you know, you can even probably have conversations with players who are considering going to Europe or or staying and, and pursuing their NHL dream by trying to play for an AHL club to get up there and everything. Um, have you had conversations with players over the past, say, you know, seven or eight years that you've been coaching, um, where you've talked about this with them about the, you know, the possibility of going over there or staying over here? Yeah, it's actually come up recently. You know, it's that time of year where the, you know, the European clubs are trying to fill their roster for next year if they haven't already done so. So, you know, you get the guys that have been in the American League, and I think more so. Four or five years ago, when you were allowed more veterans, uh, there was more of a veteran influence in minor league hockey, and then the guys would eventually sort of give up the dream and go. Uh, you know, you'd see more of it then. But now it still happens. You know, I still have some friends that coach over there mm-hmm. uh, that are, you know, looking for opinion on players. That happens as much as anything. Uh, try to help them sort of do their scouting. They don't get an opportunity to see the players much, you know, when they're, you know, in their season over there. So. And, you know, for every player, it's different. You know, some it's a good decision. I think they go over. Uh, others, you know, maybe should wait until they've exhausted their NHL opportunity. So, but again, it's each his own, you know. Absolutely. Now, uh, obviously, Rob Murray was uh, promoted to uh, head coach of the Providence Bruins, and uh, you know when Scott Gordon uh, took the job with the the New York Islanders, and uh, obviously you you join the Providence Bruins. Is this really more of a of a partnership between you and Rob? I mean, you've got head you know coaching experience even in the NHL. Is this more of a partnership for you two? Um, you know, in this venture this year. Well, I'd like to think it's always a partnership, you know, between coaches. That's the ones that those are the situations that probably work out the best. Um, with me and with me and Murr, you know, he's the head coach, and I come in as the assistant. And uh, I've been fortunate that he's given. 
relied on on my opinion, you know, what when need be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, being a first-year guy, uh, that can be important to some coaches. Other guys are, hey, they're going to do it their way no matter what, and, and God bless them. And other guys would rather gather some information from people around them and go from there. So, you know, I've done a bit of both. I think it's worked out well uh, when, you know, when, you know, when he's needed an opinion, I, you know, I'm glad to, to offer it to him, and if not, then I just go about my business, and I've enjoyed, you know, my responsibilities here. I basically charge the defense, and we've had a great group of kids that really, you know, love to work, trying to get better every day, so that's been enjoyable for me, and uh, as, a, as a result, like I said, me and Rob have formed a, a pretty good union here, and it's worked out so far. Now, obviously, this team uh, going into this playoffs has a lot of rookies on the team, and, and, I, and not just, you know, Rob's experience and your experience, you know, being the coaches here. There are some veterans here, Johnny Boychuk, Martin St. Pierre, Jeremy Reach, who probably can help these rookies. But it, at the same time, and, and I, I want to get your opinion on this, you've seen a lot of hockey, you've played a lot of hockey, you've coached a lot of hockey. Some of these rookies probably are playing better than what a normal rookie would be playing at this time of year for you guys to be having the success you are and whatnot. Are the, are the veterans that much of a help, or are some of these rookies a little bit mature than you would expect? Well, I think clearly we've benefited from having uh, veterans that are, are quality people. You know, good players are quality people. A guy like Jeremy Reach has been great for our young wingers. Marty St. Pierre, uh, you know, will work with the Zach Hamill and, you know, has made Nico Lettinen a better player. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Peter Schaefer, even though he's been in and out of the lineup and been injured, great, very positive guy in the locker room. And, uh, Johnny Boychuk, not a, you should call an older guy, but for us, he's sort of been cast in that role as a, I think he's 24 years old. Yep. And he's just, he's, his leadership is just, his enjoyment of being around the rink and just playing hard every night. He's a, a great guy that way, great team guy, plays hard, practices hard. So I think that's been a good influence on our young defensemen. So certainly you got to give credit to the, the veterans. Credit to Murr. He's had a lot of patience. Um, you know, there's, you know, how it is with first year guys, he can be trying at times, but he's, you know, he's always gone back to them. And then obviously, you can give themselves credit for, for accepting the challenge when it's presented itself. Because as you know, not everyone takes advantage of it. We've had some guys in our room that certainly have run with it when they've been given the extra responsibility. Now, as, as a former defenseman yourself, has there been a defenseman, even with one of the younger guys, that you've kind of taken under your wing and, and, and kind of helped uh, you know this year a little bit more but then maybe someone else? Well, I think there's a kid here, Jeff Penner, who's about 5'11", 6 foot, about 185. That's what I played my career. He's more of an offensive-minded guy. Um, so, uh, you know, he's been a little bit, been a little bit more work put in because I see some of the attributes that I might have had and, and try to develop his game. He's not, uh, no, he's not, he just, he's not built to be a real physical defense, but he's got to play angles and, and, uh, be efficient with the puck and, and, uh, engage, you know, properly so he doesn't get into battles where he's losing against big men. So he's definitely one of the younger guys that I've been more drawn to. But like I said, all of them, I, I enjoy working with an Adam McQuaid who's a six foot three stay at home guy. Uh, and he's going to make it by being a physical, tough, shot-blocking defenseman. But I love, you know, trying to improve his puck skills. So, uh, for me, it's been great for all of them. They've all added there. And in that last off when he was here, he was a borderline guy that's been up and down. I was a guy in my career that spent a lot of time in the minors, always fighting to get up. And he was a first-round pick. And 
so was I uh, way back when, so I appreciate kind of the pressures that are on him. And, and it was enjoyable as Matt, too. I wish it well. He got traded at the deadline and to Tampa, and hopefully he steps into their lineup next year. Yeah, and, you know, and Matt Lashoff is one of those guys I've always paid attention to, and and uh, I, I I've always wondered, and uh, you know, you you went through um, a couple different teams in, in your career yourself and everything. You know, is this one of those things? Is he one of those players that you know uh, could benefit from a, a change like this? Probably. Um, sometimes you you know, it's just not meant to be in a certain organization, and that's no slight on the player or the organization. They're just not the right fit at the right time. And if you, I always say, if you're a good enough player, you're going to make it no matter what. But um, for the other guys, the French guys, they need a bit of a break. They need the right situation, and Matt may fall into that category. And uh, you know, time will tell. And he's kind of dedicated himself this summer to getting, you know, like every kid his age, they got to improve their fitness a certain percentage each summer. And and become more of a man, and that's where Matt's at his life, and hopefully he takes those steps, and, and it translates into success there in town. Absolutely. Now, the first game in the round two uh, against the Worcester Sharks uh, happened on uh, Tuesday night, and uh, there's there's going to be a long layoff between uh, games one and game two because of arena availability and everything. Talk to me just a little bit about uh, game one, you know, getting that game-winning goal in overtime. Um, you know, obviously it was it was a big thing. I mean, Jeremy Reach, you know, gets that goal uh, six, uh, six minutes, 19 seconds into the uh, first overtime period. Uh, that has to be something that, you know, you go into this layoff, you know, it's really got to help the team's confidence knowing that they got that game one game lead and uh, there's six games left, you know, potentially only three games left depending on how the the, the games run out and everything. But that was an important game one. Well, yeah, you always want to uh, get off the right foot. But, you know, in the big picture, you need to win four games, so we were certainly glad we got it. But, you know, we opened against Portland. We lost 3 nothing at home and uh, didn't play a great game and uh, still managed to win the series. Worcester lost two in a row to Hartford. They won the series, so... Uh, you know, the first games are what they are. It's a, a bit of a feeling-out process. But like I said, you need to win four, and we're glad. They would much rather win it than lose it. But we're not looking at it as, hey, we've got a big edge in this series. We've got one game. Our goal is to get three more. Uh, the game itself was kind of a funny game. And the fact that we didn't find out until Sunday morning, uh, we knew the coaches were more on it on, on Saturday night, that we were going to open on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, and, and then have an eight-day layoff. The schedule comes out, so... Kind of an odd game. We, you know, it, it was a midweek crowd, and uh, you know, you're thinking second round of the playoffs. But I don't know how focused either team would be when you know you got eight days off between games, also, and you're kind of starting. You usually have a little more preparation time. Uh, you start on the weekend, so a bit odd that way. But uh, it went our way. It was a good, way. A good game. Either team could have won. Uh, you know, we had a lead. They got away from us, and give them full credit for battling back. And, then when the overtime came, I thought we were the better team. I thought it was a good goal. It wasn't a lucky one. Good shot. Short side, top shelf for Reacher. So, good way to end it for us. You know, when when you mentioned that it's a kind of an odd game because there's the eight days layoff afterwards, and you know maybe both teams didn't really play their best games. Does does that make the job of Tuka Rask and even Thomas Grice that much more important? Do those two goaltenders have to be that much better just because it is an odd situation? Well, you know, if I look at goaltending, I mean, they have to be—they have to play well no matter what, or you know how it is. It's just such a focus now on goaltending, goaltending. So uh, whether we play, you know, three and three to start, or one and 
one in, you know, like I said, eight days. They're going to have to be focused. But, yes, I think they got to be the leaders uh, when it comes to being ready to play. And I think they both were. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, both goals were good goals. They're all five goals. Uh, none of them were soft or bad goals, so to speak. Both players played well. Um, so they were ready to go. And that's what I expect. I mean, Duke has been, you know, dead on every game. He's real focused. One little mishap in game one or just made a, made a punt. This played a part with our defense, but or not. Uh, this guy's been real sharp, and uh, and we need it. Like you said, we're young. You know, we're going to make some mistakes, and we're always going to bounce back. But we need him in there to to bail us out when uh, when things get uh, a little bit hectic for us. What kind of what kind of schedule do you guys have planned for the team? I mean, uh, uh, I'm guessing Wednesday was probably an off day, maybe an optional skate. But uh, you know, with eight days off, uh, how much do you get the players on the ice, and, and what kind of things would you do with them when you get them on the ice when there's eight days between games? Well, we're just going to put a plan together. We talked about it, and uh, we, we we had Wednesday off. Thursday, the guys came in and and uh, you know had a workout, and uh, we got back at it today. Not just basically get back on the ice and, and find our bearings and uh, we'll get more into structure tomorrow. Uh, the guys will have Sunday off again and Monday, Tuesday and play Thursday. That's our schedule. Uh, again, it's, it's tough, I think, no matter what you plan to keep guys sharp uh, when you have this, this much time off. But, if, you know, keep on the ice, keep it crisp. Uh, and then again, we'll get into some structure and some detail work that uh, we saw from game one on, on Monday and Tuesday. Now you played your your career in, in a lot of different places, and of course you got to you know play in Chicago with Blackhawks, and I'm sure that was very exciting for you every time you were able to put on a Blackhawks uniform. But uh, you played in some different places. Uh, was there was there a certain arena that you got to play in that was probably the you know either very special to you or something that you will you know always you know be happy that you were able to play in? Yeah, there's. Chicago Stadium, obviously, if anybody's ever, you know, the old Chicago Stadium, if anybody's ever been there for the National mm-hmm. Anthem, it's probably one of the greatest things in sports in terms of, uh, you know, seeing a crowd get into it before a puck even drops. Uh, the Boston Garden, I played there, we got the Chicago, we got, we got smoked about 8-1, but <laughs> I was a Boston Bruins fan growing up, I love Bobby Orr, the old big bad Bruins, so, uh, it was, it was great to go back to the old Garden, uh, and then I guess the Montreal Forum. I mean, a kid from Ottawa. Yep. Uh, the last, you know, the, I played there a few times. The last game I ever played there, I scored. I took one on the Montreal Forum. So I always take that memory uh, with me. So I guess those are three of the places, and just uh, probably not by coincidence, the three original six franchises. No, absolutely, absolutely, and, and and you even got to play, you know, and a lot of people don't think about it, especially you know nowadays. But you got to play in Indianapolis you know, for the Indianapolis Ice. You ended your career with the IHL's Ice and everything. What was that like playing in Indianapolis? Because a lot of people don't think of of Indy and and, and you know in hockey. Well, uh, you know, it's probably one of the best places
championship in 1990 with Daryl Sutter as our coach. I think that's something to do with it. We were used to playing on that big surface. So it was good. Uh, you know, I lived in Broad Ripple a couple of years where I think Wayne Gretzky went to high school in his brief tenure there, so I guess you could say that. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I got to say, you know, for some of the fans who may not know your name, which I, I know, uh, you know, uh, definitely a, a lot do, you, you won that uh, um, in 2001 and 2002, your first year coaching uh, the Grand Rapids Griffiths, uh, you know, in the American Hockey League. You won the Louis A.R. Pierre uh, Memorial Award and uh, for the outstanding coach in the AHL that year. Uh, where do you have the award? The award is, uh, I have a house there at uh, Condo downtown Chicago still, so it's up on the wall there. Uh, I haven't been home all winter, so I hope it's still up on the wall. Someone is breaking and taking, but as far as I know, it's hanging there probably. <laughs> No, excellent. Uh, Bruce, thank you very much for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Um, enjoy the little layoff, and uh, can't wait till you guys get back to hockey uh, next Wednesday. Okay, thanks for having me, Bob. Thank you. And he is Bruce Cassidy, and we'll be right back right after this, right here on the Power Play Post Show. Hi, this is Don Biggs from the 92-93 Binghamton Rangers. Here's Don Biggs taking a slash and following through. He's hauled down. Now we have Don Biggs having a fisticuffs with Possum. And you're listening to the Power Play Post Show.